Psalm 105 will give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all his wondrous works, glory in his holy name, let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his presence continually. We are here this morning because we believe in Christ, we believe that through Christ we can seek the face of the Father. And we can exalt Him. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you please stand and welcome those around you. Well, good morning. You may return to your seats and you may be seated. It is good to see everybody this morning. want to welcome you. Welcome you to Northside Baptist Church. If this is your first time with us, 
welcome. Thank you for being here. We are delighted to have you. If this is your first time, we would love for you to let us know that. There's a couple ways that you can do that. There's a, a, a QR code that you can scan um, in the bulletin and fill out some information about yourself, or you can fill out a connection card um, online, and we would greatly, greatly appreciate that if you would um, be able to do that. Again, thank you. If there's any way that we can pray for you or encourage you while you are here, please don't hesitate to let us um, know that. We would be very, very appreciative of that. And there's a couple things I want to draw your attention to, then we'll make some more announcements at the end of the service. But please note, I thought the amount of money in the bulletin last week was, was incorrect. There had been a little bit that um, had not got put in there. But total amount raised for Lottie Moon is $15,318. So praise the Lord. So thank you for your generosity for sacrificially giving. Continue to pray, right? Continue to give um, and be willing uh, to go um, as, as well. So uh, the missions is important. We've got a team that's going to be leaving uh, towards the end of the month to go to Ecuador. We had some students um, who had spent some time on the mission field this past week, and I meant to mention them last Sunday and forgot uh, Shiloh sitting over there. She went. Uh, Rebecca went on a mission trip. Grayson is still gone. He flies back this evening. Um, so we had a couple of our students who were out this past week through Trinity during Go Week serving um, in different places. And so, man, be willing to serve, be willing to go and to share the gospel. One other thing I want to emphasize now before we spend a few minutes in prayer um, is just to remind you of the importance of Sunday school, that we do have Sunday school. We meet at 915. We have multiple classes. We have classes for every age. We have incredible teachers from, from our children, the youngest to, to the oldest. And if you are not in a Sunday school class, I'll, I want to encourage you, as you're thinking about 2023 and what are some things that you would like to put into place, some things that you would like to see different, is to get involved in a Sunday school class. And in the middle of your bulletin at the bottom, there is an announcement. And so we're, we're going to make a change to one of our classes. And there's some information in there. If you have more questions about that, you can see Mr. David. But David and Andy have been teaching our young adult class for, for a while, and they're going to start meeting throughout the week. Um, a lot of our young adults, right, they're off to college, and then they come in, and, and so they're, they're going to still gather. They're still going to read and pray and study together. And so what we're going to do is, is David's class is going to go a little bit beyond just young adults to include any adults from 18 up. Um, and so if you have questions about that, that's going to start the first Sunday in February. Um, now look, we're not offering this class, and, and he'll tell you this, to try to steal you from another class if you're already involved. But if you are not in a Sunday school class, or you would just say, hey, I've tried some classes, and I'm just still looking for a place where I fit, whether it's age-wise or whatever it may be, right, that's an opportunity for you, and I want to encourage you to check that out. Um, so that will start February um, 5th. So that'll continue to be in the bulletin. This morning, we are going to be in Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to be in Ephesians this morning, and then the next two weeks, and then we're going to wrap up Ephesians. We've been there a long time, and we're, we're nearing the end. But this morning, the verse says this, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. You could probably guess what we're going to talk about. 
praying. We're going to talk about prayer this morning. That's what we're going to focus on. But then the next part of that verse that we're going to look at next week says this, To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. And then he says this, Making supplication for all the saints. I read something this week that really hit me. And the guy said, What would happen in your church if every member was prayed for every day? What would happen at Northside if every single one of us was prayed for every single day by somebody? Now, we're going to look at that more next week, the praying for all the saints. But here's what I want to do this morning during this time of prayer. I want you to spend the next minute or two in prayer for someone in this church. I'm asking right now that the Spirit of God would lay somebody on your heart who's a part of this church. I'm not asking you to pray for your wife or your kids. You should pray for them all the time. I'm asking everyone right now to pray for somebody outside of their family, their home that is in this church, and to fervently, maybe you know the need, maybe you're just going to offer them up in a general way because they're sitting next to you, but that you would go before the throne room of God and intercede on behalf of them right now. So you do that, and then after a minute or two, I will pray for us. So go to the Lord right now. Father, this morning we will see the importance of prayer. If we are to fight this spiritual war, it cannot be done apart from prayer. Father, we will also see this morning the privilege of prayer. God, through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, we can come, we can approach, we can draw near to the very throne room of you, O oh God. And we can offer up the largest of requests and the smallest of requests. Father, every single person in this room right now is in the midst of spiritual battle. Some are trying to fight that alone. Some are learning to depend upon others. Some learned that a long time ago. But Father, we need to lift each other up to help carry one another's burdens. God, if we begin to pray, and we didn't know who to pray for, or 
or how to pray, nobody specifically came to mind, then Lord, I pray that you would expand and build upon our relationships. Lord, that we would seek to get to know people at a deeper level so that we can better know how to pray for them, better know how to encourage them. Father, we thank you. We're about to sing about the showers of blessings that you pour down upon us. Thank you for those blessings. Father, we're about to sing, send a great revival. Lord, I pray that that's not lip service. I pray, Father, from the depths of our heart right now, we are longing to return to you, to repent, and to see a great awakening take place, first and foremost, in your church, among your people, but also, Father, that that would spread into salvation of lost people. Father, we need you. God, if you do not show up this morning, then nothing, Lord, that comes out of my mouth will have any lasting impact. No hearts, no lives will be changed, Spirit of God, if you do not move in this place in a powerful way. We are fully dependent upon you, so move and speak, we pray. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, would you please stand, let's worship together.
There's an emptiness around us. We can see it everywhere. Weary souls are broken and blinded by despair. In the hearts of God's children, in the wounded and the weak, we look to find our purpose in the hope of Calvary. All we need is the power of God to fall fresh once more, to change us and to fill us with a passion for the Lord. In our churches, in our homes, it must be God and God. Contentment is never satisfied. 
in the things this world offers that will fade away with time now more than ever we must return to our first love and seek first his kingdom with our eyes fixed Thank you, choir and Miss Gina. And what a prayer. I hope that's the prayer of your heart. At this time, our children are going to make their way to Children's Church, both of our classes, so you can make your way out there the back door. Everyone else, if you will please turn to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6. Before we read our verses in Ephesians chapter 6, I want us to go back to chapter 4. It's been a while since we are in chapter 4, and I just want to remind you of some things that Paul says, and then I want us to come back to chapter 6. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk, to walk. That's an important word, to walk, to live in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And then you fast forward to chapter 5, and you see that this walk is a walk in love. 
or it's a walk in light, or to walk in the light, or it's a walk in wisdom. And then you come to chapter 6, particularly verses like 10 through 20, and what we realize is this walk that we are called to walk takes place in a battlefield. We are walking in love, in light, in wisdom, this walk worthy of the calling of the Lord, and we're doing it in the midst of spiritual warfare. We're in a war zone. And so we're told to put on the full armor of God. And we've looked at those individual pieces of that armor over multiple weeks. And this morning we will see that prayer plays a vital role in our walking in that war zone. During World War II, an officer was briefing his men on how to take a certain objective, on how to follow certain things. And so he demonstrated to them the manner in which they needed to hug the ground so as to stay below enemy fire. Like, this is how you hug the ground so that you are staying below enemy fire. And he said in conclusion, if you advance on your knees, you will always be safe. I love what John MacArthur writes in his commentary. It was a helpful reminder that Ephesians begins chapter 1 by lifting us up into the heavenlies. Let me remind you, chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He talks about in verse 20 that we were, that we were now seated with Christ in the heavenly places. He starts by lifting us into the heavenly places. This is where you are. This is who you are in Christ. But then MacArthur says, but Paul ends the letter by pulling us down to our knees. He ends by talking about prayer and our humility and dependence upon the Lord. So if you have a copy of God's Word, Ephesians chapter 6, would you please stand in honor of the reading of God's Word? I'm going to read verse 17 through uh, verse 20. This is the Word of the Lord. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Would you pray with me? Oh God. Open our eyes this morning that we might behold wonderful things in your word. Oh Lord, may the words that come out of my mouth bring glory to your name. May it bring salvation to the lost, to the unbeliever who is far from you, who has rejected you. And oh Lord, may it either bring joy to your people or may it lead to repentance of sin which will then lead to joy to your people. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want you to notice four things this morning. I want you to notice the practice of prayer, the priority of prayer, the privilege of prayer, and then the power of prayer. 
Now, I want you to see how this verse on prayer connects to and relates to the, the, the armor of God, but to get there, you're going to have to hang on to point four. That's when I'm going to make the connection, point four. But I want us to notice some very important things this morning. The first thing I want you to notice is the practice of prayer. Paul has just talked about putting on the armor of God, and then verse 18, he says, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. And then he goes on to say, and also for me, right? Pray for me. So we see the emphasis here upon prayer. So what is prayer? What is prayer? Well, the Greek word for prayer is prosuke, prosuke. It simply means to speak or make request of God, to speak or make requests of God. He is speaking of a communion that you and I can have with God, a conversation that we can have with God. The disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus said, when you pray, not if you pray, but when. He understands the importance of prayer. Jesus prayed often. He modeled this for us. He stayed in ongoing communication with his Father. Paul says, with all prayer and all supplication. Now that word prayer Again, prosuke, it speaks to general request, a general offering up of prayer to God. Now that word supplication, your translation may use petition or request. It probably speaks to more specific requests, more specific things that you're offering up to the Lord. The scriptures emphasize the importance of prayer. We are to be a praying people. I don't know if anyone in this room this morning would say, hey, you know what, Pastor? I just don't think prayer is important. We would all say prayer is important. We saw this past week the importance of prayer put on full display. Many of you were watching, as Landon and I were, Monday night when the Cincinnati Bengals, my Cincinnati Bengals, if you don't know, I grew up in Cincinnati suffered for many years with a lot of bad teams, and then we drafted Joe Burrow, and it changed everything. So I'm invested. I'm a Bengals fan. Landon loves the Bengals all day long Monday. Man, we're looking forward to this game. It kicks off. The Bengals score. We're up 7-0. We hold the Bills to a field goal, and we're moving. We're moving the ball. We're excited. Man, it's football. We love football. And in a second, everyone is reminded it's just a stinking game. Because DeMar Hamlin gets up after a tackle and he collapses to the ground. And as I'm watching, within a minute, you know this isn't a normal injury. The Bills players are crying. You can sense something's wrong. They keep going to commercial breaks. They're surrounding this player like they're shielding. And they say they're doing CPR, right? He has cardiac arrest, right? Praise the Lord, he is making an incredible improvement. Praise God. They canceled the game. That was the right thing to do. Those guys didn't want to play. I didn't want to watch anymore. They canceled it for good reason. There was a lot on the line. It was going to be the most watched game of the year. But in that moment, what did everyone start to do? They started to pray. The announcers, all we can do is pray. Let's pray for DeMar. Let's pray for um, his, his family. There was a, a case out west somewhere where a coach got fired because he was kneeling to pray on a public field. I didn't hear anybody fussing that they were praying. 
that they were calling people to pray. That's all we knew how to do. The next day, I think it was the next day, one of the analysts for ESPN, Dan Orlovsky, have never seen this before, prayed on national television. He's there with another football player and a lady, and they're talking about it, and he says, look, I don't know what else to do. I don't know if this is right. I don't know if everybody's going to like this or not, but he prayed on national television. He prayed to God. He understood that God can do certain things, and they went to God. In that moment, whether you were a Christian or not, people just began to pray. Paul calls us to pray. Jesus taught us how to pray. Now, our prayers can vary. They can vary in length. They can be long, they can be short, they can be general, they can be specific. They can vary in where we pray. We can pray in our house, we can pray here in the church building, we can pray driving our car. They can vary in how we pray. We can stand, we can sit, we can kneel. They can vary in what we pray. Many of you have heard of the Acts formula, right? You can pray prayers of adoration. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. They can, they can be prayers of confession. Lord, forgive me of my sins. I, I've done this, and this is sinful, and it's wrong. Forgive me. Cleanse me. They can be prayers of thanksgiving. Thank you, God, for this day. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for my wife. They can, they can vary. They can be prayers of supplication, where we lift up family members and situations and friends and brothers and sisters in Christ. We can pray in a variety of ways we are just called to pray. Praying. So notice the practice of prayer. We're talking about communicating, talking to God. Secondly, notice the priority of prayer. The priority of prayer. What does Paul say? Praying at all times, in every season, at every opportunity. We are to pray. Not just when we feel like it, or when we're in a desperate situation, or at just specific times of the day. No, Paul says we are praying at all times. Jesus said that they ought always to pray. Romans 12, 12, be consistent in prayer. Acts 1, 14 says they were devoting themselves to prayer. Colossians 4, 2, continue steadfastly in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. Now, does that mean that we are praying all the time and never doing anything else or listening to anyone else? No, it just means you're in the spirit of prayer. You are always ready to pray. Notice the word all in verse 18. Count it with me how many times you see it. Praying at all times in the spirit, that's one. With all prayer and supplication, that's two. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, that's three. Making supplication for all the saints, that's four. You see the emphasis? All, 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 all. Now let me read that again. But this time I'm going to substitute another word in place of all. Praying at sometimes in the Spirit. With some prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with some perseverance making supplication for some of the saints. Not near as powerful, is it? It loses its emphasis when it becomes some. But if you and I are honest, the word some more accurately describes our prayer life than the word all, if we're honest. Prayer for many of us is non-existent, or inconsistent. 
can't tell you the number of sermons I listened to this week or commentaries I read where many of them uttered the same words. Prayer has been a struggle for them. For much of my life, if I'm honest, prayer has been a struggle. I'm not a conversationalist. I don't talk a lot. So just talking in general is difficult. Prayer has been an inconsistent, at times, part of my life. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, The one urge that a Christian must never resist is the urge to pray. We are to resist sin. We are to resist Satan. We are to resist looking lustfully upon a man or a woman who we are not married to. We are to resist the urge to gossip. For health reasons, you might have to resist that dessert or resist a second helping. Some of you are like, I can't resist dessert or second helpings. We are called to resist a lot of things, but we are never called to resist prayer. Why are we to pray at all times? Well, in our context, we are to pray at all times because our struggle against Satan is never-ending. You can stop praying when Satan stops attacking you. And as long as you're in the flesh, that means you better be praying at all times. But there's another reason why you, and all, why you and I need to be praying at all times. And that's because we know the one to whom we are praying. We know whom God is. That's the third thing I want you to see. Number one, the practice of prayer. Number two, the priority of prayer, praying at all times. Number three, the privilege of prayer. Now, this isn't in the text. I just think it's helpful for us to know this, the privilege of prayer. When we pray, we are talking to God. When you pray, you are engaged with the living God. That through the blood of Jesus Christ, you and I are now sons and daughters, and when we pray, we are crying out to Abba, Father. He's God the Father. Listen to John 15, 16. It says, you did not choose me. This is Jesus. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. So two things. Jesus says, I chose you, and I chose you to go bear fruit. That your fruit should abide, listen to this, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. I chose you to bear fruit, and I chose you so that you could come into the presence of my Father and ask whatever it is in his name, and he'll give it to you. It is a privilege, brothers and sisters, to pray to our God. Milton Vincent, in his book, A Gospel Primer for Christians, writes, Prayer is not something I am allowed to do as a Christian. Prayer is actually one of the great purposes for which God chose to save me. One of the great purposes in God choosing to save you is so that you could have fellowship with Him. And how do you have fellowship with Him? It's through prayer. It's through this communication with the Father. John 17, 3, and this is eternal life, that they know about you. No. This is eternal life, that they know you. Not about you up here, but that they personally know you. The only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Hebrews 14, 16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace 
that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. Hebrews 10, how can we draw to the, near to the throne of grace with confidence? Hebrews 10, 19 and 20, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. Ephesians 2.13, But now, in Christ Jesus, you, who once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You can come to the throne room of God only through the blood of Jesus Christ. Do you know Jesus Christ? Is he Lord and Savior of your life? Listen, you can pray without Jesus. Millions of people were praying without Jesus. But you can't be saved without Jesus Christ. You can't know the Father personally, like many of us in this room know Him apart from Jesus Christ. There is salvation in no one else but the name of Jesus. You must confess your sins, you must repent of your sins, and you must hold fast to Jesus, saying, Jesus, save a sinner like me. 1 John 1, 3, that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. It's why we can sing, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. Oh, what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. What a privilege, what a blessing that right now, whatever it is, you can take to God in prayer. Let me illustrate this. You may or, or may not find this helpful. Why do you go to the bank? Everyone in this room, we go to the bank only when we need something. So just imagine tomorrow you're bored and you say, hey, I got nothing to do. I'm going to go sit down at the local bank branch. You're just going to sit there all day long. I don't know if they'll let you, but let's just say you pop down right there in the lobby. And you just begin to watch people come in and they go out. And they come in and they go out. And every time it's somebody different. Why? Because the only reason you go to the bank is because you need something. You need money, you need to make a deposit, you need to check on something, like you need something. And then you leave, and the only reason you come back to that bank is when you need something. For many of us, if we're honest, that's our prayer life. The only reason we go to God is when we need something. Millions of people went to God Monday night that hadn't prayed in a long time, but there was a need. For many of us, we go to God when we need something, and then we leave. And we come back when we need something. Now imagine you're at the same bank, and you notice this guy walk in. He's there for a couple minutes, and then he leaves. And 10 minutes later, he comes in, and then he leaves. And then 30 minutes later, well, sure enough, it's the same guy. He comes in, and he leaves. And then an hour later, for the fourth time, he's in, and he leaves. And you're thinking, what's going on? Can this guy not just get all this work done at one time? What a waste. Why does he keep coming back? And then as you watch, you realize he's not there because he needs something. He's there because he's in love with the teller behind the counter. And he keeps coming. Because he wants to see her. He keeps coming because he wants to say something to her. He keeps coming because he loves her. Brothers and sisters, that's how we ought to pray. 
Not because we need something, but because we don't want to be anywhere else than at the throne room of God. Over and over throughout the day, every five minutes, every ten minutes, God, I love you. God, I pray for this. God, I'm thankful for you. God, you're awesome. God, you're amazing. We are just constantly coming into the throne room of God. I've heard many times this week arrow prayers. They're not lengthy. It's an arrow. We shoot it. God, I love you. God, I pray for my wife. God, I just got a phone call. I pray for my brother. It's just quick prayers over and over and over. And yes, at times there can be lengthy prayers, but we're just always going to God. And some people may say, well, man, does God really care about all that stuff? Does God really, I mean, he's in heaven. Does God really care about all the small stuff in your life? One pastor this week said this, he's God. It's all small stuff to him. And I love that. Not that it's insignificant, but to God, whatever you got going on in your life, it's small stuff. There's like 8 billion people on planet Earth. It's small stuff. We hear the saying, don't sweat the small stuff. Man, that's nice in theory. But the small stuff is still significant to us. And hear me, God cares about all of it. All of it. And he invites you to come, to draw near to him, and to fellowship with him. To open up the word of God and to say, God, you speak through your word, so speak to me now. And then to offer up in response to the word a praise, a confession, a thanksgiving, a supplication, but just this ongoing communication with God. And that leads lastly to the power of prayer. I told you I would make the connection, so here it is, verse 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit, in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. So here's the connection between prayer and the armor of God. Prayer isn't part of the armor. right? He talks about the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, the belt of truth. Right? He's talking about these, these certain pieces of the armor. Right? He doesn't say the prayer of and compare it to a part of the armor. Prayer isn't part of the armor. Rather, prayer describes the manner in which you put on the armor and wear it. Prayer is how we put on the pieces of armor. It's how we continue to wear the pieces of armor. Let me me draw your attention to this. The apostle gives more attention to prayer than to any one piece of armor. He gives more attention to prayer than any one piece of the armor. Prayer is absolutely necessary. The ESV Study Bible, commenting on this verse, says the weapons for warfare are spiritual because they are rooted in prayer, which is the Christian's most powerful resource. Your most powerful resource is prayer. God has given you His Word, and then you communicate to God through prayer. In the hymn, we sing, stand up, stand up for Jesus, right? And in that hymn, we sing, put on the gospel armor, each piece put on with prayer. You are walking in a war zone. You are engaged in spiritual battle. You can't fight this battle in your own strength. So what do you do? You must pray. Now hear me. God's battle strategy isn't complicated. It's actually very, very simple. 
Do you know God's battle strategy for you? It is a simple commitment to pray. That's God's battle strategy for you. You pray, and you pray, and you pray, and you pray, and you pray. You are calling on God to help you in the battle. You are saying, God, I'm dependent upon your strength. I'm dependent upon your power. So what does Paul say? Praying at all times in the Spirit. We come to the Father through Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. One author wrote, Holy war cannot be carried out in our unholy strength, but only in the Holy Spirit. It's a holy war. You are unholy apart from Christ. You can't do this, but the Holy Spirit in you can. Jude 1 verse 20 says, Pray, praying in the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 26, we read, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groaning too deep for words. Paul says, praying in the Spirit. Now what does that mean? I don't believe praying in the Spirit here is referring to a speaking in tongues or to just this emotionalism in our prayer. Because over and over, in, in, you got to let the, the text interpret the text. He's talking about, right, the truth and the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation. Your mind is to be engaged. So this isn't just something spirit. But also, I think the reason it's not a speaking in tongues is because in Ephesians 5, what does he say? 18, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So praying in the Spirit, I believe, is simply this. Your prayer life, and whether this is true of your prayer life or not, only you can answer. Your prayer life should be inspired and guided by the Holy Spirit. Is what you're praying right now, the fact that maybe you're not praying right now, is that inspired and guided by the Holy Spirit that Paul tells us in Ephesians, right, has sealed us and indwells us? If you don't know how to pray, don't give up. Don't say, well, God, I don't know what to pray for. You have the Spirit of God in you. Ask the Spirit of God to help you pray. There's times all you can do is say, oh, we study the Psalms. How many times do you see the word, oh? Now, sometimes you go right on, but sometimes I wonder if it was in, oh. And then they continued. Sometimes all we can do is groan, oh, Lord. And yet the Spirit of God takes our groanings and interprets them, puts them into words when we don't know what to pray. Hear me, brothers and sisters, if you lack the desire to pray, don't give up. Ask the Holy Spirit who indwells you to change your affections and your desires so that you desire to pray. There is power in prayer because God is all-powerful. And we come to the all-powerful God through the blood of Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God who indwells us. Hear me. Satan isn't scared of you. And he is not scared of me. But Satan fears and trembles when a needy child of God is at the mighty throne of God. That's when he trembles. So here's 
Here's what I want to do this morning. We're going to talk more about prayer next week, praying for each other, and we'll get into some more points of application. But here's what I want to do this morning. I'm calling on every single one of us to repent this morning. Unless you would say your prayer life is where it needs to be, and there are godly men and women. You read about some of them throughout history. I mean, they would be on their knees for hours and hours every day. Like when they died, they could tell their knees were deformed or they left places in the floor where they would kneel for hours. Maybe your prayer life is where it needs to be. If so, praise God. But if it's not, I'm calling you to repentance. I've already told you my prayer life has not been where it should be most of my life. And when I say that, most of you are like, man, Lord, help him. Mm, I can relate. But I want you to think about that for a moment. If I stood this morning and said, y'all, you know, guys, I'm just really struggling with lying. I'm just, man, you know, Chairman of the Deacons, Ryan McMichael, he comes up and asks me, and I'm just lying to him, and you know, I'm lying to Ron, and I'm just struggling with lying. You probably wouldn't be like, hmm, Lord, help him. You'd be like, wait a minute, this, this is a serious problem. If I told you, you know, church, I just for the last three months, man, every time the deacons count money, I just can't help but go take a little bit for myself. You wouldn't be like, oh, Lord, help him. You'd be like, deacons meeting tonight, we need to fire this guy. If I told you that week after week I struggle with lust or looking at pornography, you would not say, oh, Lord, help him. You would say, we need some serious spiritual discipline here. Now, listen, all three of those things, those examples are false. They're not true of me. Just want to make sure we're clear on that. But if you were to confess that, we would, all, we would not be like, man, I'm, that's a bummer. I can relate. We would be like, no, listen, we need some spiritual discipline. But for some reason, when it comes to prayer, we see it differently. It's like, oh, yeah, I struggle too. Church, it shouldn't be that way. If we say, I struggle with prayer, we should say, it shouldn't be that way. It should not be so. We should be a praying people. If anything is true of us, you should be a praying pastor more than you are a preaching pastor. You should be a praying Sunday school teacher more than you are a teaching teacher. You should be a praying deacon more than you are caring for me. Prayer must be central. So I'm calling you to repentance right now. And I have struggled this week, the Spirit of God speaking to me and convicting me as He needed to do. And I'm calling on you right now to do that. Some of you need to flood this altar this morning and you just need to pray, God, I'm sorry that I've not been fellowshipping with you in prayer enough. I'm sorry I haven't been fighting for my children enough or my spouse enough or that I've not been praying for my pastor enough or my Sunday school teacher enough or that I haven't been praying for that lost person faithfully. Like we need the Spirit of God to convict us to realize if we have any chance in this world, it is only through prayer. If we desire to see God do anything amazing in this place, it is only by prayer and through the power of His Spirit. And are we willing to humble ourselves to say, God, you must do this. And this year, I am committing myself to pray more than I've ever prayed in my life, but only by your help. Would you close your eyes and bow your head? Father, God, speak to our hearts right now.
God, forgive me, forgive us. You call us to pray. You've taught us how to pray. We have many excuses. All of them are just excuses. God, I'm thankful this morning that if we have fallen short in this area of prayer, you'll meet us here. Your grace is enough. Your mercy is enough. You will pour it out upon us willingly, overflowingly. But God, we have to come. We have to pray. We have to confess. We have to be honest with ourselves. We need to seek your face, oh God, right now. Lord, we desire to see lives changed. We desire to see marriages restored. We desire, God, to see you heal people and to change the world and to bring about a revival. But Lord, it must start with me. It must begin with me and my heart and in our hearts. So God, make us what we are not. Forgive us where we fall short. And if there is anyone here who does not know you, Jesus, as Lord and Savior of their life, then right now, may they repent of their sins, confess their sins, and declare that the name of Jesus only can save them. They need more than just temporal help. They need a Savior who can take them from death to life, from being blind to giving them sight. So save them right now. Spirit of God, speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing together. If you need to come and kneel and pray or to pray where you are, to take somebody by the hand and say, pray with me. Well, we believe in the power of prayer right now. Will you just pray and cry out to God? If you'll stand, let's worship together. Come thou fount of every blessing to my heart to sing thy praise streams of mercy never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above praise the
seated. All right, so it's my privilege. Come on, you want to come up here, Miss Kaylee? This is Kaylee Binion, and uh, many of you know her mom and dad, Gabe and, and Stephanie Binion, sitting over there. So this is Miss Kaylee. How old are you? Ten. I told you I wouldn't make you talk, but that's it, I promise. Ten years old. Um, and so, and I don't know, many months ago, she and I talked one Sunday morning about she had made the decision to believe and trust in Jesus and wanted to follow him in baptism. And so about a month ago, month and a half ago, we had a chance to talk in, in the office with her mom and dad and just wanted to make sure that she understood what it means to believe in Jesus, to follow Jesus, and all that that entails. And she knew that, and so she has given her life to Jesus, and she wants to follow him in believer's baptism. So next Sunday morning... We'll get to, in the service, baptize her and just celebrate how the Lord has taken her from death to life. And so it's our job now, right, as your church family, to come alongside your mom and dad and to help you become more like Jesus. We, we call that word discipleship. We're going to help you become more like Jesus. And so we are excited for you. So one more time, will you let her know how excited you are for her? All right, you can go sit with your mom and dad if you want. So if you'll do me a favor, anytime somebody joins or we rejoice that they've given their life to Jesus. We want to personally let them know how excited we are for them. So if you all, for just a few minutes, will just kind of hang out around there. And if you'll come by, uh, maybe you know them personally, or maybe you've never met them before, just to uh, share your excitement um, with them. All right, we have a lot uh, of things in the bulletin. So let me quickly, and very, by quickly, I mean very quickly, draw your attention to them. Uh, we have an if gathering coming up in March. There's a meeting at 3.30 today. If you are interested in planning that, we want you to be a part of that. We have sisterhood groups that are going to join and resume again. This was incredible. Man, I heard so many positive testimonies and examples of sisterhood groups. So that information is there. Our senior friends um, have an upcoming trip as well. We have Bible studies that are beginning at the end of January. Two opportunities to serve uh, with bridging the gap um, that are coming up. And so um, just want you to be aware of that. Um, I, I don't want to embarrass by any means, and I don't have permission. So sometimes they say it's easier to ask forgiveness uh, than permission. But at our last church conference, Jim gave a report about how or, or, or an opportunity for CHOA at a ministry for CHOA to do. And so some men went and helped a man by the name of Jeffrey Turner. Did I get that right, Jeffrey? Are you, Jeffrey is actually back here today. He's back there waving. So Jeffrey just needed some help with some, with some brush, some outside work, some, some roof work that needs to be done. And so we had an opportunity, some men had an opportunity to go bless him and minister to him, and people have been praying for him. And so it's always it's awesome when we get to, to meet. And so, Jeffrey, thank you for being here, and forgive me for embarrassing you, brother, but I just wanted our church to know that uh, when you serve, it makes a difference in people's lives like Jeffrey. So whether it's international Ecuador or it's right here in Noonan, there are people who need us to be the hands and feet of Christ. Um, and it's amazing to be able to do that and then to see the fruit of that. So thank you all for being here. All right, Bill is the deacon of the week, so if you'll come and pray normal activities tonight, we're resuming our normal schedule, so come 
and uh, be part of that. And don't forget to come love on Miss Kaylee before you leave. Let's pray. God, you told us if anybody is suffering, let him pray. If anybody is cheerful, let him sing praise. And we thank you for reminding us today that prayer is what you desire. And if our hope is in you, we can't, we can't do it wrong. We can't be embarrassed about it. There's no prayer too small or too big for you. Lord, I pray as we leave this church and go about our lives, all we do all week, we glorify you in everything we do and we say and we return next week to praise you again. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.